Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello, this is Daryl Horn. I'm the executive director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. I want to welcome you this morning to this edition of Sabbath Talks. This is podcast number 10 on the topic of the importance of corporate prayer. This podcast is a follow-up discussion on the Sabbath Live video on corporate prayer that we did several weeks ago. If you haven't watched the video, we'd like for you to go back to our webpage, which is sanantoniobaptist.org, and watch the video. You'll be blessed by watching the video. That video is the introduction to the topic that we'll be looking at today, which is corporate prayer. So today, we're privileged to have a special guest. His name is John Butler. John's the pastor of East Rogersville Baptist Church in Rogersville, Tennessee. The church is where where John is pastor is currently experiencing a move of God. They're right in the middle of it. And we wanted to talk with John today to see what God is doing in their church. They're at the end of an extended period of united prayer and fasting in their church. And John's going to share with us what is happening in his church and in his community. So, John, today we say welcome. We uh, appreciate so much you taking the time to be with us on this Sabbath Talks podcast. Uh, just as a point of introduction, tell us briefly a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump into a couple of questions. Yeah, Daryl, it's good to be with you guys this morning, and uh, I thank you for having me. And uh, the idea of revival is something that's been on my heart for a long time. Um, I'm pastoring now in a, a rural town uh, in the East Tennessee, in the mountains of East Tennessee, and. Um, I grew up in the area, not in this town, but in the area of East Tennessee, about a uh, about 45, 50 minutes away from here. Uh, so I'm really familiar with the culture and, and everything, but I've been away for a while. And I just come back and started pastoring this church about two and a half years ago. Um, <clears throat> prayer and revival really kind of crept into my life uh, in a major way back in 2010, uh, but it's been something that I've pursued for a long time, and uh, we're just excited about what's happening here at, you know, our our church, and uh, God God has met us point of need, and uh, I, I guess you could say that we've been experiencing a divine um, habitation, so to speak, over the last month uh, as we've gathered continuously. Now we're we're about to finish our fourth week in in revival services, uh, and it's just been incredible. Well, you know, um, as I've told people uh, about what you guys are experiencing, and that we talked on the phone the other day, and we were going to talk again today. People are very interested to hear what you have to say because. God um, is is moving where you're at, and I I think you explained it well, or, or phrased it well, a divine habitation, and many of us would like to see that where we are. So, if you could give us a little background, what was happening in your life that caused you to lead your church to pray and fast? 
Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, a long time ago uh, as a pastor, I kind of committed, you know, and, and most pastors do say we're going to have that spring revival and fall revival. We put these things on the schedule. and uh, But uh, I had become a student of revival which led me to a couple of conclusions. Uh, the first is that no major movement of God has ever come outside of people praying beforehand. Uh, yes, this that's true. Not, this is not a, a prayer meeting where we list a whole bunch of things and say, God be with so-and-so and God be with so-and-so and God save all the lost people in the world. This is this is the type of praying where, God, we are desperate for you. We need you to change our lives. And, and it's a, it's a plea for God to, to change me first. And, and it, it, it flows outward to, to our congregation and our, our community. And so a long time ago, I, I kind of figured that prayer was essential to seeing this type of thing happen. And uh, also, you know, over the over the course of several years now, fasting has become a, a big part of that as well. And it's something that a lot of Baptists don't really do uh, often. Uh, they they are some more now than they have been. But uh, so every church that I've been a part of as a pastor, I've tried to lead in times of seeking God for revival. And one of my one of the one of the I guess if you want to call it a method is there ought to be some preparation instead of just inviting a, a revivalist or an evangelist in and let him come preach there there needs to be preparation on part of the congregation to prepare their hearts for that time. Yes. Uh, so so we we've, we've been doing a lot of that this year uh, because of some other things going on in the state of Tennessee, a lot of a lot of streams of preparation came together in our church that I believe were critical for this divine visitation that we're experiencing now. Uh, so you know, one of those. Go ahead. The, one of the uh, important things that you talked about is is the preparation. How important is it for a pastor to lead out in that? And and what happens in a church where the pastor is not leading, but somebody else in, in the congregation wants to see it? But how important is it for the pastor to lead? Well, it, it's very important. And it, it, in my experience, listen, we're we're not a mega church. We're our our community, our our town has about six thousand people in it. So we're not. We're not big. Our church runs about 200 in Sunday school, about 250 or 275 in worship on a regular Sunday. So we're we're not by any means a huge church, but we're also, I mean, Southern Baptist wise, we're I guess we're considered a, a medium sized church in the convention, but most of our churches around here are 50 and 60 people. Uh, so. It, it doesn't matter how big the church is, but there is, I feel, a, a very key component. The pastor has to want to do more than just invite somebody in for some services. Yeah. The pastor has to be as desperate uh, for God as anybody else. 
and the pastor really needs to lead. And, and I kind of feel like the pastor needs to be a little uh, transparent. Sometimes we as pastors don't like to let people see that we struggle with this or that. And and I think when a people see brokenness in their pastor, they feel like it's okay to display that brokenness in their own lives. And And revival really does, outside of prayer, revival starts in broken hearts. Yeah. Yeah, because that heart is that heart. Uh, you know, I guess there's there's humility there in brokenness, and and there's desperation there in brokenness, and and those are all ingredients that God wants to see in His people, so that we set aside everything else and and just allow Him the opportunity to move. And so you know, for us, in in leading the church to this point. Um, we our our church has been experiencing some upheaval uh at the end of 2019 we've had some staffing issues and uh it just it was a, a very uncertain time for our church our church had become highly divided and uh and one of the things that me and our leadership tried to do is try not to try not to take sides and try not to uh we, we tried to Maintain a humble posture, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But there was there was desperation there. Uh, when you when you provide when you when you combine the attitude of humility with the posture of prayer and the discipline of fasting, uh, a lot of things happen. And I think that's where God wants His people. So you know we we tried to prepare as best we could uh, with those three things. So could you mention those three things again? Uh, prayer, uh, the posture of prayer, and uh, uh, the attitude of humility. Um, and Combined. Uh, Combined with fasting, yeah. Yeah. Those are three three important keys. Uh, what what you said is a whole lot of truth that, that we all need to listen to. Um, what obstacles have you faced? In in your preparation and even uh, even in the four weeks. Well, uh, several. Uh, it's it's you know when when God when God's presence comes among His people, you'd think oh, everything's going to be great. But there's been a lot of battles because obviously Satan doesn't like that, uh, and Satan will try to do everything that he can to hinder. God moving among his people. So Satan likes to distract people. And and that has been, you know, I guess it kind of started, we had, we had been, uh, in, in conjunction with the thing that's called Awaken Tennessee, where we've been praying and fasting for the, for our state. Um, it started January the 26th. Between January the 26th and February the 2nd, our church had a week of prayer where we prayed in in individual homes, and we prayed Isaiah chapter 6. We we prayed that we see God lifted up, and we prayed that we see our simple selves in in light of a holy God. That was a critical time because we were praying and fasting intensely in that week. Well, our our revival conference was scheduled to start February second, and one of the one of the big obstacles right up in front 
was we had planned, we had three of our younger, three of our students that were going to be baptized Sunday morning. Our baptistry, you know, just, it, it wasn't working. I got off Friday night and the water was ice cold. The heater wasn't working and, and I, I, I'm getting frustrated, uh, very frustrated because two years ago we spent $500 on a new circulating pump and, and heater for it. So Saturday morning, I, I got up and went to the co-op and bought a horse trough and, and a, a five-gallon bucket uh, milk warmer uh, <laughs> element, and I, we we filled it up on the stage, and, and I prayed that, uh, that the water would get warm enough to baptize in Sunday morning. And that Saturday is February the 1st. That Saturday, one of our fellows was down here kind of helping me get things together, and and we we prayed, and part of my prayer was, you know, not today, Satan. Today, Jesus wins. And mm-hmm. uh, Jesus wins just kind of became a little bit of a rallying call for us throughout this whole thing. Uh, so, you know, from that moment, we decided that we weren't going to let these little things stop us. And uh, little by little, we would overcome. You know, part of part this also is we've been going for almost a month now. Friday we'll finish up our our four weeks of meetings, and we're looking at going into next week already. But uh, one of the major things that happens is families get fatigued. Uh, You know, every night we've had families that set aside the ball practice and ball games and and different things, and and we've – like I said, we have an average of about 200 in Sunday school. Well, we've been running in our services for revival services. We've been running between 150 and 200 plus people every night. So many of our people have set aside everything. And it's nothing that I've done to get it. They they just are hungry for God. But in that process, we thought, you know, the flu bug outbreak here has been tremendous. We fought floods. We fought uh, sickness, uh, fatigue. Uh, but people just have a hunger, and they've decided in their heart, not today, Satan. Today, Jesus wins. So those are, you know, all of those things are are, are obstacles that you have to overcome. You know, sometimes they're they're spiritual. Sometimes they're physical, uh, emotional. They they all exist, and every I, I'm assuming that every divine visitation like this takes on different obstacles depending on where you are. But those are just a few of the things that we've we've had to deal with. Yeah, obstacles obviously do come, but the the phrase "Jesus wins" that's that's a good rallying cry, and. Uh, <laughs> I, another question I have is you mentioned a couple of ways that your people have responded because they've set aside ball practice, they've set aside other nightly activities in order to be there to experience God's presence. How has God moved in other ways? Yeah, well, let's 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 talk just a little bit about what when we talk of revival within the context of the church. What that means is really new life. You know, we yeah. are revived in life. Uh, 
as you look at statistics just across the Southern Baptist Convention, most, I think, I can't remember exactly, but like 80% of the churches are plateaued or declining. And you, you hear of all of those things. Those are churches that all really are in the market for revival, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're stale. Uh, we, we have been stale. How do you get there and how do you get out of that place? Are, are I guess two major questions. Uh, one, you get there by not really taking seriously even the very small sins in your life. Uh, yeah. Sin, sin in a believer is like that plaque in that builds up in the arteries of our bodies uh, from cholesterol or whatever, and over time you end up with blockage, so the blood can't flow. Well, I explain it. In a spiritual sense, that's exactly what we do when we allow sin to kind of hang out in our lives without a lifestyle of repentance. Is that sin blocks and and it keeps the lifeblood of Christ from us because it won't flow through because we're we're harboring sin in our lives. So, one of the things that that we've seen are, are people just willing to deal with with laziness toward God and and just different things like that. Even the small things people begin to confess, and when they do that publicly, others go, "Oh, well, you know what? I've got some of that in my life too that I need to get out." And and before long, we it's it's like God takes the little roto rooter through the arteries of our life. He cleans it up, and we have. We have fresh blood flowing through it. You know, if you've ever talked to anybody that's had dance or, or something like that put in, they say they feel better now than they have in the last five or six years. Why? Because the blood's flowing freely. When we begin to remove sin from our lives through repentance and confession, God's Spirit is able to move in us, which creates a hunger that we want more of that. And that's that's what's happening. What we're seeing is relationships made right. I had a gentleman in my office, you know, the second week of revival, he said, there's, there's some people up the road from him. There's been a feud going for 30 years. And he said, pastor, I want you to pray for me. My wife and I are going to leave your office right now. We're going to go and talk to those people and, and make it right. Wow. That, that night when he came in, I said, did you go? He said, yeah. And it went wonderfully. Uh, so, you know, those are, and that's just one of multiple stories of, of yeah, thir- thirty uh, years. That but that is that's what happens when God shows up and begins to work in the lives of people. When people are really willing to deal with with individual sin in their life, no matter how big or how small the sin. When we start to do that, God starts working. And when multiple people are doing that, you see, you see a, an outbreak like we're seeing here. Well, we we have been praying on our end, just like the coronavirus is very infectious and has spread. And I heard a case uh, the other day uh, of somebody that was not in contact with anybody that had the coronavirus, and this particular person had not traveled outside their area and so they were wondering why that virus had spread to that person so we have been praying on our end that just like revival has been contagious 
in your church and community that it would spread into Texas, spread into San Antonio, and be contagious on our end. So, John, as we wrap up this podcast, what um, what could you say that would summarize the things that we have talked about up to this point? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, as far as Texas and anywhere else is concerned, I, I think when people really began to hunger and and one of the words that we're we're finding ourselves using a whole lot and I talked to a guy from the Sentinel group just recently about this is the idea of desperation. You you see it our church literally three weeks before our revival conference started, I, I thought our church was setting on a major split. Uh, I mean we we were so divided. But when desperation creeps into God's people and we realize that he is the only one that can change things and we devote ourselves to prayer and fasting, then God honors that and he changes us. And that's quite simply what what has happened here. Uh, God has honored our prayer and and fasting and that attitude of humility uh, and 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 the openness and the willingness for us to be open and honest with each other. Those are good words for all of us to hear. Uh, we're going to close out this podcast. You'll want to make sure that you listen to the next podcast because we will be picking up where we left off here. John, as um, as a close to this podcast, <clears throat> could you pray for us that are listening? Anybody that listens to this podcast, that God would bring humility and contriteness and that God would do a work in, in all of our lives. So would you close us out with a, a prayer? Absolutely. Father, we, we thank you for your grace. Uh, we thank you for your mercy. Although, Father, oftentimes we don't really, we we claim those, but we don't really rely on them because we've been so good at doing our own works. The truth is we, in this nation, from Tennessee to Texas, from from the Carolinas to California, from from Florida to the, the Northwest, Father, we... We're in a bad shape in this country, and the reason our country is in such a bad shape is that the church for so long has hidden its head in the sand. And, Father, we we pray that you would just shake us. We We pray that churches across our country and there in San Antonio would begin to to cry out desperately to you. Father, through the posture of prayer, through the attitude of humility, and 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 throwing in that discipline of fasting, where we say we're serious, we're gonna we're gonna set aside the very thing that we need to live in this world, our our food. We're gonna set aside our food and trust you and seek your face. And Father, if you don't show up, we don't have any hope. So, Father, I pray that that's that's the attitude that we maintain here, and it spreads across our state. God. I pray that same thing for the churches across San Antonio. God, Texas is very important in this nation, but so is some of these other states. And and there are people that are feeling this in in New York. There are people in uh, California right now that are praying for this very 
to happen. So, Father, I pray. Uh, I pray maybe San Antonio leads the state of Texas in this uh, that part of the awakening that I think that you're going to do in our country in the days ahead. God, these are just mercy drops that we're experiencing here, I know. But, Father, we pray. We pray for the showers. We, we pray for a downpour uh, of your grace and your mercy on our country right now as churches gather across the state of Tennessee and other places and now in, in Texas to, to pray and fast. See you move in our nation once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, John, for praying for all of us. To anyone listening, we uh, thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast. We will be picking up in our next podcast where we left off in this conversation. You don't want to miss it. Let your friends and family and other people that you know, tell them about this podcast. Have them go to our webpage and they can listen to it there. We want this word to get out, so help us to do that. John, thank you again, and those listening, we will talk with you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.